Maggie, before you go, I, I want to give you a chance. There are some people out there who see this detail uh, released from your new book about Trump flushing papers down the toilet. They've essentially accused you of holding, withholding this information, holding this information uh, for a book. Please explain. Look, I mean, I understand there's a lot of confusion for folks about uh, how these processes work, why things go in, in a book or, or not. Um, I'm not known for, um, you know, sitting on scoops. We've arrived at a great moment in time. Yeah. Intersections of space and time. Guess what time it is? It's Friday! Jack Riccardi, 4 till 7, News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. KTSA News Times 407. Welcome to Friday, everybody. 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 Jack Riccardi, our dreadful little show on San Antonio's News Talk Station 550 and 1071 KTSA. We are going to have ourselves a time here. I'm glad you're here. Feel free to jump in at 210-599-5555. We're even going to talk about restaurants later on in the 6 o'clock hour. So um, I was just talking to our producer, Don Cooper, and we were we were comparing notes. And I think Don said very something very uh, true. The new racist... Remember when you were a racist, if you said something people disagreed with or people couldn't argue with you, you're a racist, or you had a position they didn't like, you're a racist. The new substitute word is insurrectionist. You're an insurrectionist. The Canadian truckers are insurrectionists. People who voted for Glenn Youngkin are insurrectionists. People who went to school board meetings are insurrectionists. Restaurant owners in Los Angeles that want to have people eat inside the room, they're insurrectionists. Now, insurrectionists used to mean people that wanted to take over the government or run, overthrow the government and, and, and put themselves in power. But the, the Canadian truckers don't want to run Canada. <laughs> they don't, they're, they'll be glad to leave Ottawa. The people at the school boards don't want to run the schools. These are people that know what the right thing is and are demanding that it be done. And if you do the right thing, they will go back to their lives. They will be glad to do so. So the uh, president is, and this is dangerous because Joe Biden by himself is dangerous but Joe Biden egging on Justin Trudeau is really dangerous. I don't even know how to, I can't find the analogy to describe this. You know what I mean? It's, it's not good. It's, it's like something from a Looney Tunes cartoon. Because Justin Trudeau is redonkulous by himself. It's like Ron Nirenberg running an entire country. And then you have Joe Biden who has completely lost his own country, his own party, right? Everyone's running away from Joe Biden at the moment. The media aren't even, they're interviewing Joe Biden. NBC did an interview with Joe Biden for the Super Bowl. They're not even cleaning it up. He's just going to stumble and bumble and fumble all over himself. But here's Joe Biden, who's lost his own party, lost his own country, telling Justin Trudeau how to run his country. Do you see what I mean? And so he's saying to the Canadians, you guys need to get tough and use your federal powers to break up the trucker protest. And the premier of Ontario, 
has said um, the truckers will be jailed and or fined if they don't break it up and get off the roads and get off the bridges. And um, it's not a freedom protest. It's dangerous. It's insurrection. And he's declaring, is Doug Ford, a state of emergency. And you know what it means when politicians declare a state of emergency? It doesn't mean things are going to get better for you. It, it means things are going to get much, much worse for you. Because when they declare states of emergency, they get to go on with their lives. But all of a sudden, routine things you used to be able to do or you would want to do or you believe you should have the choice to do are taken away from you. That's what a state of emergency really means. This bridge they're talking about, the Ambassador Bridge, runs between Windsor and Detroit. And it is like a major port of entry for the United States. So it is comparable to a Houston or an L.A. or a a New York or a Boston. It's a major point of entry. Canada is our biggest trading partner, and the Ambassador Bridge is our greatest uh, gateway of trade. So... There's a woman named Juliet Kayyem who served in the Obama administration and now is a Harvard professor. Juliet Kayyem says the thing to do now is to slash the tires of the trucks on the bridge and drain the gas tanks and drag the drivers away in chains and move the trucks. That's what she said. Slash the tires, drain the gas tanks, arrest the drivers, and move the trucks. And this is what passes for logical thinking at Harvard. Because how can you, you're already there, I know, but let me just make sure everybody is caught up. How can you move the trucks if you've drained the gas tanks and slashed the tires? You see, people like Juliet Kayyem are not only evil and mean, but they're stupid. Because they depend on everything the trucks bring but they hate on the people who bring it. Julia Kayyem couldn't last a week without truckers. But Julia Kayyem thinks you can drain the tanks, slash the tires, and still move the trucks. You know, your three-year-old playing on the floor with a truck knows that won't work. She doesn't know. How are you going to move them if you've slashed the tires and there's no one in them? Iowa Hawk calls her Professor Tow Truck. <laughs> Which is about right. And then there was another guy, I forget who it was, was on one of the networks saying we should send the Marines to clear the bridge. And I I love when people sort of vaguely suggest the use of the military without any specificity, without any justification, like what would the pretext for that be? These are people that don't care about or respect the military. They just have this vague notion that the military is a bunch of people lower in class than them who should do things they want done. They get this sort of aristocratic, thou shalt attitude. Yeah, just, just, just have the Marines do something about that. Like there's just a plan on the shelf for, you know, storming the bridge. So I'm sure that um, our best and brightest, just as they did with Afghanistan and withdrawing from Afghanistan, I'm sure they, uh, I'm sure they have a plan here for this. The governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, did an interview on CNN. She called the protest downright dangerous. She lamented the loss of hundreds of millions of dollars a day in economic activity because of that bridge being closed. Michigan's going to feel it first. But wasn't this the lady that locked down her own state? I mean, are you you getting what's happening here? Politicians who disrupted our economy, they didn't disrupt it, they shut it down. 
They destroyed it and thought nothing of that and would brook no debate about that. Now are offended that someone else is disrupting the economy. So they have the right to do it, but the truckers don't have the right to do it. You and I don't have the right to do it. We have finally found a labor work stoppage that the left doesn't like. All my life, all my life, anywhere workers went on strike, farm workers, auto workers, steel workers, anywhere that workers went on strike, fight for 15, if they blocked streets, if they blocked intersections, if they didn't work, if they didn't produce, if they inconvenienced people, the left loved it, loved it. We finally found the strike they don't love. This is the one they hate. These are working people. I mean, you can you can smear them and call them QAnon and call them this and call them that, but these are the same kind of working people that the left glorified in this country for the last 150 years. Doing it for the same reasons and using many of the same tactics that they used to love. And they are turning on working people. Now, you and I have known for years that the left wasn't really a working person's movement. Hasn't been for a long time. Okay? The Democratic Party is not a working person's party or a poor people's party. Hasn't been for a long time. But it's one thing to say it. It's another thing for them to go out of their way to prove that we're right. And... um in this case, I don't just agree with the truckers. I am moved by how obvious they have kinship with every kind of working class man and woman who has ever said, the only thing I have on my side, the only leverage I have is my labor, is the sweat of my brow. I will use that if I have to. If I can't get them to listen to me, if I'm not being heard, if I'm not being represented, then I will use that. And it costs, when a, when a working person goes on strike, it costs them directly, not, not, you know, symbolically, but directly and literally. It costs them. So say what you want about the labor movement or say what you want about picket sign holders or, or, or people striking, but, but they obviously believe in what they are doing. And the left is making it crystal clear that that is not okay. In fact, it's the, all of the populism here is on the right. Now, don't get me wrong. I would love to be proven wrong. I would love in the days ahead to be proven wrong about this. I would love for there to be an epiphany moment among Democrats. Maybe Joe Manchin will start it. But I would love to be proven wrong and, 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 and have it turn out to be that, that everybody across the board has had it with this. But so far, that's not the case, and it needs to be said. There you go. It's the weekend for that. I don't mean the Super Bowl. It's Valentine's weekend. Let's get it on. 
And um, have you ever, on the JR poll today, we're asking you, have you ever called a radio station and dedicated a love song to someone? Have you ever done that? And it may be that you did it a long time ago because it's become much more difficult to do. It's re- it's very rare to get a request played on music radio anymore. But when I was a disc jockey coming up in the business, uh, playing love song requests was a big thing, and we did a lot of it. And I'm going to tell you some stories about that coming up a little later. But um, yeah, have you ever have you ever called a radio station and had them play a love song for your honey? And uh, we'll talk about uh, all your plans for this weekend, Valentine's weekend. I've got a good book. I'll be reading. Um, all right, so it turns out that not all workers of the world should unite. Not if they're the Canadian truckers. Not if they're people that don't want to take a mandatory vaccine. Not if they're not all good with mandatory masking. And the people that were heroes in 2020, frontline workers, aren't heroes anymore. They've fallen off the pedestal the left put them on. But everyone falls off the pedestal of the left. That's the thing about the left. You're never permanently in their good graces. They use everybody. You know, you can be a Republican. You can be somebody that they've they've suddenly glommed onto because you said something bad about Trump. But then they'll throw you away. When you're when they're done with you, it's like a paper cup. Nobody keeps the paper cup. Let me take this home and save it. And that's how they are with the people they hold up for worship. It's just temporary. It's just for the moment. And then they're done. At one time, they were done with Joe Biden. Do you remember that? And then they found another use for him. Dug him out of the trash and put him back on that pedestal. But it'll be temporary. And we can see it's already starting. He's already coming off the pedestal. But the um, the crackdown on the Canadian truckers, the, the greatest irony of it is that the people calling for tough measures, let's get tough, are people that every one of them authored greater disruptions of economic activity, greater destruction of economies and people's businesses and people's lives than these truckers could ever dream of achieving. How ironic that that is their reason for wanting to get tough with the truckers. Now, it's not their real reason. But who is anyone buying this? So if, if, if Whitmer shut down her, her state, you couldn't even sell plant seeds in Michigan at one point. <laughs> you know. Then how can she even pretend credibly, I don't care how good the acting is, to be offended by what the truckers are doing now? Why is it okay when Democratic politicians shut down an economy, but not all right when the Canadian truckers do? And I think they're also afraid of it spreading here. I don't know that it will, though. See, I think here, and I I could be wrong about this, and maybe we'll have one of these. They say they're planning one for next month. But I think here, you can see the politicians are already in full retreat. They're already running away. And the Canadian thing started because there, even the so-called conservatives in Canada were enforcing vaccine mandates and mask mandates and and, uh, uh, vaccine passports to go into places. So Canada was way behind. The trucking thing spun up and happened, and the convoy reached the capital city of Ottawa. The prime minister fled Ottawa. 
You know, in, in history, when a uh, head of government flees his capital, that usually marks the end of his time in office, right? We've seen this before in history. When they when they flee the country or flee the capital, that is usually the last act before they're deposed or they announce they're resigning or stepping down or there's a new government or what have you. Uh, so Trudeau fled the capital. He couldn't. He couldn't be there. He couldn't face the trucker protest. But in this country, it may not. It may not come to that because you can see that Democratic politicians have already uh, started to retreat and run from the CDC and from Team Biden. What do you think? How do you feel about it? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. And. Um, does anybody really think that the truckers want to be the new government of Canada? I, I don't. I've seen interviews with dozens of them. I've read and seen interviews with people who are in that convoy. None of them sound like people that want to be the new prime minister. None of them sound like they hate their country or want to change its form of government. And there's a difference between wanting to change the people who are governing and wanting to change the form of government. I don't want Joe Biden to be president, but that doesn't mean I don't want there to be a president elected through the Electoral College as outlined by the Constitution. You can't, you can try to conflate those two things. Well, if you're against him, you're against our whole system. No, no, no. He is not the system. Trudeau is not the system. Doug Ford in Ontario is not the system. Nice try. But that doesn't hold together. And uh, they're calling him Steak Guy or the Hamburglar. It went viral this week. A guy uh, marched his way out of a Trader Joe's in Manhattan with 10 packages of meat. 10, you know, styrofoam tray packages of meat. And they think that he probably was not stealing it for himself. But what's happening in New York and, and other big cities is People go into these high-end stores like Trader Joe's, uh, Dean and DeLuca's, whatever, and then they, they resell what they steal to like corner stores and bodegas and stuff that don't really care. You know, we don't care where you got it. We just, we just want to be able to resell it. And, uh, don't ask, don't tell. So there's all this, there's all this looting going on. It's all being captured by people with their cell phone cameras. There is no consequence. In fact, the Trader Joe's guy, the only thing an employee of Trader Joe's said to him was, would you please leave the the little uh, shopping basket? And so he did. I don't know why he could have taken that, too. Nothing would have happened to him. But he, he, was, he was asked to leave the basket. Take the meat, leave the basket, and he did. Now, there's a couple of things going on here. Obviously, this is the result of... No consequences for stealing, right? This is, people have noticed, they've taken heed. You have all these George Soros funded DAs like the one we have in Bear County. They've taken heed of the fact that a lot of things that used to be prosecuted won't be. They've taken heed of policing policies. And this is not the fault of police officers, but of the policymakers above them who are saying we want less contact, less engagement. So the message has been delivered. You can get away with stuff in 2022 that you couldn't get away with two, three, five, ten years ago. But there's something else going on here. When you have crime without consequences, you get more crime, and then you get more hardship for working people. In other words, if you're the person that goes into Trader Joe's or your 
corner store or whatever and spends your hard-earned money, and by the way, you're spending more and more of it every time you go in, right? You start seeing that there are two rules. There are two standards. You start thinking, am I a sucker? Am I an idiot? Why am I scanning my stuff or paying for my stuff? And so this, to me, is very much like what generated the truck protest in Canada. It's when people who are not naturally political, most people aren't walking around with theories of criminology and, you know, know, this is not what fills people's idle time, right? Let me think about crime and its causes. No, but when people start seeing this going on, seeing that they're the ones bearing the brunt of it, seeing that the politicians don't care, the people who are mayors and city council members and policymakers don't care, then they start thinking, I've got to do something to get their attention. Um, Al Sharpton was on one of the MSNBC shows. I think it had to be MSNBC because I think he works for them still. He was on one of the MSNBC shows. Al Sharpton was complaining he had gone into a Dwayne Reed, which is like a Walgreens in Manhattan. And uh, I guess he wanted to buy toothpaste. And he was shocked to find out that the toothpaste is locked up. Now, when you and I go to Walgreens or CVS here in San Antonio, they might lock up expensive razor blades. They didn't used to, but they do now. Or maybe some sort of expensive cosmetics. They're locking up the toothpaste at Dwayne Reed. And that's, as Al Sharpton correctly pointed out, that's the kind of thing that everyday people are going to experience it's going to change the way they look at all this. It's happening. Speaking of uh, the Hamburglar, um, you probably should just stop eating meat anyway. Uh, here's a lady addressing the uh, Canadian Parliament and explaining that meat is misogyny. Meat is white supremacy. Meat is Nazism. I really can't tell... I think, I think she, well, I think she needs some meat, but I think she actually believes what she is saying. Take a listen to this. I believe we should move beyond all meat. The assumption that the best protein comes from corpses is a racist belief. How do you know the animal would have picked you to feed off their corpse? 21st century animal eating requires our complicity in a new colonialism. These events especially affect girls and young women. Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens. Okay, hold on. Hold on. It is? I've never heard that. Where have I been while the popular culture was celebrating sexy cows? That is not a thing for me. I am, maybe there's something wrong with me, but I've never found a cow to be sexy, never found a sexy pig. Looked at a lot of pigs, haven't found one yet. I don't know where it's, and I, I misspoke, it's the Oxford Union. Listen to more of her excerpts. Listen to this. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes who all just want to have fun. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. Mm, Masculinity, a construct of the gender binary facing constant destabilization, feels always under threat, and eating animals is its protection racket. White supremacists 
eating meat, eggs, mm. and dairy, and the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part mm. of the neo-Nazi <laughs> messaging. Oh, man. Who told her all our secrets? Who let the cat out of the bag, and I don't mean to eat it? Who told her that it's really all about meat? That's what this all is about. And I guess if meat, eating meat, is white supremacy, then only white people are eating meat. No one else is. Because they, they're not gonna, they're not gonna be complicit in that. Sexy fishes are a thing in her world. How do you, how do you feel about that? How's that grab you? Your hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Popular culture is flooded with references to sexy cows, sexy pigs, sexy chickens, sexy fishes. Who all just want to have fun. It's, I, I need to correct her. It's sexy bitches, not sexy fishes. She just misheard. Uh, Jack on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Um, yeah, I went out for a burger the other night. And I had to send it back because they, they made it with misogyny and I hadn't ordered it that way. Um, I, I'm not, uh, please understand, I, I, have, I have friends and family that are vegetarian and vegan. I love you and I'm not picking on you. But this sounds so whack. I mean, even you've got to agree, right? Even you've got to agree that... I mean, you can, you can be against eating meat because you think it's bad for you or you feel better since you stopped. I know people that have said, look, I, I gave it up and I've never felt better. I don't believe them, but they, <laughs> that's, how they that's how they explain it, and, and okay. But I, I, um, I don't think... There's going to be a lot of buy-in for the idea that it's really white supremacy, and 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 not to not to stereotype, but it seems like a lot of African American people also enjoy eating meat. You can't tell me that they're they're not they're not in on this. So I'm sorry, but no, n- not really. You know what this reminds me of? Do you remember when you were in school and you didn't study for the test and you had to write an essay answer? And it had to be like a certain number of words or pages in the blue book. And so you just vomited up a word salad of things that you could remember. And when you're, you know, when you're taking an exam, one of the tips they always give you is just keep writing, just keep working, just keep, you know, don't stop and, and get stuck and get writer's block. Just keep writing. And that, that's what this sounds like. You know, it's just a collection of current woke catchphrases stitched together around the idea of meat she could have she could have been talking about anything right driving an suv wearing a trucker hat but in this case it was eating meat wow it's some good stuff um and uh she gets all the buzzwords in you know and 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 i'm sure there are even vegans and vegetarians that are offended because they're like, look, this this mocks and and ridicules what we're doing. This is not why we're doing it. This is not why we eat the way we do. And I get that. And I, again, I want to be clear: we're not. She's not standing in for all of you. I'm not making her your spokesperson. I don't think you'd want me to, and I'm not going to. John is on five fifty and one zero seven one KTSA. Hi, John. Hey, Jack. I'm just uh, really loving this one. <laughs> it just makes me crack up. And my thought was that, like you were just saying. If we uh, replace it with anything, like, let's say, debt, then we don't have to pay anything. Everything's right. free. Yay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think meat is only uh, racist if you're arranging your bacon strips in the form of a swastika on your plate. Otherwise, I don't think uh, I don't think it's racist. So thank you, John. I agree with that. Uh, 210-599-5555. There was a story 
I saw this story. Uh, a man uh, in Caldwell County has been indicted on first-degree murder charges. Terry Turner uh, shot to death. He's 65. Shot to death a 31-year-old man who um, turned around in his driveway. So the guy used Terry Turner's driveway to turn around, turn his car around. He was visiting his girlfriend in the neighborhood, and he turned his car around in this guy's driveway, and the guy shot and killed him. I have had people, have you ever had this happen? I, where I used to take my daughter to visit a little friend of hers that she's not friends with anymore, but in, in middle school they were... They were buddies, and she would go over to this girl's house a lot. And I would drive her over to this girl's house, and the way the neighborhood was laid out, it was kind of a cul-de-sac thing, and you had to turn around. So I would, I would turn around in this neighborhood, in this uh, guy's driveway across the street from this girl's house. I couldn't turn around in her driveway because her dad's truck was in the driveway, but the the other guy's driveway was empty, and I didn't go all the way into his driveway, and I didn't drive over his bushes or his grass or anything. I'm careful. This guy would come. He'd come out of his front door like he was fired out of a cannon. and Fortunately, he didn't have a gun, but if looks could kill, I'd be dead. He looked murderous. He looked like I had offended him in the most gross way just for my front wheels being on his driveway apron. What is it about people? Can you help me? And I've seen this before. We had neighbors when we were growing up that would go ballistic if anybody rolled into their driveway. And I live on a corner. People turn around in my driveway all the time. My neighbors use my driveway to turn around and reposition and, you know, parallel park. I'm fine with it. It's a driveway. How do people get so so bent about that? I mean, can you help me out? Because I'm trying to understand. I, it, it, it's no surprise that somebody finally got killed over it because I've seen people get really emotional about turning around in the driveway. What a thing to kill somebody over. The other guy hadn't done anything else, according to police. He just recently received an MBA. He had no gun. He was law-abiding, never had been in trouble. He was an immigrant, had moved to Austin just just a couple of years ago and starting out his life in Austin, had a girlfriend. I guess it's unfortunate that she lived in the same neighborhood as, you know, Mr. Crazy, and you got to figure anybody that's ready to, you know, come storming out to defend their driveway. That means they're on, they're on watch. So you're, you're on post. You've, you know, you've got lookout duty, right? You're, you're not just walking by a window and oh wait a minute, there's a car in my driveway. No, no, you're waiting for someone to come into your driveway, so you can go out there and, you know, defend. Your homestead. Wow. I know somebody is listening right now going, you don't understand. They drive over my bushes. They do, do, do. No, no, I don't understand. I, I'm sorry, I don't. It's a driveway. I mean, sweep it, power wash it. Par- a, a good way to keep people out of it would be to maybe park in it. I don't know. I guess you could put a put cones up. I guess if you put cones up, nobody will. But I, I, don't, I don't get, there seems to be other things in life. And, uh, heck, I've even in the past let my neighbors park in my driveway because if they needed extra room or they had company, not in this neighborhood, but in other places I've lived, I only have one car, we only have two cars, just go ahead. What is the deal with that?
210-599-5555. Rose is calling in about meat with misogyny. we got to move past meat, Rose. What's up? I don't know. I'm very confused because I'm an American Asian. I eat keto. The majority of what I eat is pure meat. Do not send me next to a vegan. I will offend them. So I give them yeah. a white supremacist. You are, yeah. You, you've you've been helping the wrong side with all that meat eating. I'm confused about my ethnicity. I'm so confused. I must be white. Well, that, you see, that's the thing about ethnicity, Rose. Only white people can explain it to to the people that actually are ethnic. So when you're black, when you're Asian, right? It takes a white liberal to explain what you should be offended by. The only they know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and well, I'm misogynistic, so I must be a male and not a female. <laughs> well, that's all very fluid now. You don't have to. Rose, you're, you're, you're old, your thinking is very old-fashioned. You don't have to stay in one, you know, in one uh, lane. You can kind of, it's all very fluid. There are no lanes anymore, you know? I'm so confused. I know. It's so evident. I need well, to that's why, that's why we have white white liberals, so that you won't be so confused they're there to explain it all for us me and mrs jones we got a thing That is such a great song. Billy Paul, me and Mrs. Jones. We meet every day, we meet every day the in the same, same cafe. cafe. Have some meat. Full of misogyny. All right, um, 210-599-5555. Have you ever dedicated a love song on a radio station? Have you ever called your favorite radio station and had them play a love song for your sweetie or somebody you were trying to get the attention of, trying to win over. That used to be a thing. Uh, I don't think it's much of a thing anymore, but that was a, that was a thing. And when I got into radio, we, uh, well, we did a lot of it, and then there was this movement to stop doing it. Because we were doing it all the, you know, we were, we were playing love song dedications all the time, and, and, and management thought it was too much, and it was cluttering things up. So I worked at a station in Boston at one point that had this brilliant idea we're going to take all the love song dedications and just play one love song a night at 10.50 every night. It was called the love song of the night. Now, 10.50 is kind of late. <laughs> People stayed up later, I guess. I don't know. So um, our nighttime guy, I was on in the afternoon. I was on from 4 to 8. And, and Gary was on from 8 to midnight. And so Gary would start at about uh, 9 o'clock. He would start having people call in, and he'd record all the dedications. So they couldn't pick the song. He would pick the song. It would be one love song. Each night it would be a different song. But he'd record and compile all the dedications. And I had to do it a couple of times when I filled in for him. I stayed on late and filled in for him. And it was a lot of work. And I don't know that people, it was the guy, it was the kind of idea that sounded good to the radio managers, but I don't know if people liked it because your dedication kind of got lost, right? The whole point of dedicating a love song was this is just from me to you, right? You know, person will hopefully hear it and find out how you feel or 
have a nice warm feeling inside or whatever, but we would play like, you know, 90 seconds or two minutes worth of people saying their hearts and flowers things and then play this one song. And uh, now I don't know if there's, uh, is it even possible anymore to call and, and get a love song dedicated? It's probably very rare, I would think, in radio. Um, but have you ever done it in the past or did you ever do it? Today's JR poll, 210-599-5555 or at KTSA.com. All right, I got a crackpot theory about what's happening with Ukraine. This thing could happen this weekend, they're saying. That's what they're saying. They being who? Well, the administration and the media that echo everything the administration says. So um, let me let me first run you down where we're at, all right? They're saying that Putin has now achieved almost all of the force emplacement that he would need for a, a land invasion of Ukraine. In other words, he has almost all the pieces in place. He doesn't need them all in place to start, but he has almost all of them in place. And there's all these other little indicators, and I won't go into the details, but all these things that seem to suggest or hint that something's about to go down. And the Democrats are cheerleading for this almost openly, and you know why. And the media are cheerleading for it either because they cheerlead for the Democrats or because this is a new thing, right? They're, 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 they're tired of, they're tired of the old narratives. They're tired of the old stories. When you work in news, you're always looking for a new, fresh, new source of headlines and angle on things. And, and, and so a war would be that. Here's the part of this I got to ask you though. I wonder. If all this, it's about to happen, it's about to go down, talk is designed to prop up Biden's image as a statesman, as a peacemaker, because now he's going to have this phone call with Vlad tomorrow. And if the phone call, it, it, God knows if we could hear the phone call, it would, it would be a train wreck. But if the phone call happens and then the invasion doesn't happen, They'll be putting President Joe Biden up for the Nobel Peace Prize. You know that, right? They'll say he stopped a war. My question is, was that war actually ever going to happen? I don't know. You know, Vladimir Putin wants some things out of Ukraine. One of the things he wants is that Ukraine not become a part of NATO. And it shouldn't, by the way. But if he can get the things he wants without having to have a land invasion. And if Biden can get the things he wants, which is a distraction from all of his other failures, and some sort of puffed up, propped up image as, oh, he brought peace, he avoided war, he he stopped World War III. No one's ever done that before. I, I could see this going that way. I really could. Now, in a few days, maybe I'll be proven completely wrong, and I can't prove that I, I, I can't prove this is what's happening. I just have a suspicion or a hunch that this is what's happening. By the way, about NATO, Ukraine should not join NATO, and NATO should not want Ukraine. You know, I, I've only heard one American president, and you know who he is, and you're not going to like it, but there's only been one American president in recent years that understood what NATO was supposed to be, and that was Donald Trump, who was not famous for being a student of history or reading a lot, but 
He seemed to grasp that NATO, which was formed in 1949, meaning it is almost as old as Joe Biden, NATO was formed out of the ashes of World War II and the fresh memory people had of not only World War II, but really what formed NATO was the, the, the specter of the Red Army barreling into Central Europe at full speed. As the Nazis are collapsing in the spring of 45, the Red Army is going as fast as its trucks and tanks can go. They've got the pedal to the metal. The only thing slowing them down, approaching from the east, is their supply lines. And everybody's thinking, wherever they go, whatever territory they claim from the imploding Nazis, they're not giving back. Everyone saw that crystal clear. You know, Truman sees it. The West sees it. So NATO was designed to um, be a buffer. And, you know, in fairness to the 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 Russians to the Red Army and the Soviet Union, in fairness to them, remember they had an experience in World War II that the U.S. didn't have, Britain didn't have. World War II was on their soil. The Eastern Front was in Russia. So in their view, they had the right to uh, the Eastern Bloc and the satellite countries and the Iron Curtain, as it was later called by Churchill. Obviously, they didn't call it that, but Churchill did. Um so that was their sort of strategic worldview. Hey, we 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 suffered. We paid the dearest price of anybody in World War II, it's true. And our worldview was, well, we've got to have this security zone and this shared sense of obligation. We don't want France to get played against Germany or Britain to get played against France, so we're going to have this NATO alliance. Well, that was that was fine in 1949. That made good sense. That was good statesmanship. But NATO is not in any way, shape, or form as necessary or necessary for the same reasons as it was then. And you should never add nations to NATO. NATO should never have gotten bigger, should never have expanded its mission. It's been adding nations ever since. It added nations as recently as 2020. And Ukraine is identified by NATO as a country they would like to have join. And that is provocative uh, to the Russians. And I'm not taking sides, but but this is not about what was important in 1949. And I don't know, does anybody else get the feeling that none of this is about what we're being told it's about? So the, the stated reasons or the official reasons don't feel like the real reasons to me. This has a very uh, sort of dramatized, um, scripted, staged feel to it. And the way our government keeps saying, they're about to invade, they're about to go in, here they come, get out, everybody needs to get out. Very strange. I mean... If you know that they're about to go in, is the smart thing to do to say that, or do you say that because you actually know they're not going to go in, and you're tr- you're sort of setting the 
stage for what you want to claim as a great diplomatic victory. We headed off war. At the 11th hour, we headed off war. You know, I want you to listen to Joe Biden. He's doing an interview with Lester Holt as part of NBC's coverage of the Super Bowl on Sunday. And he is, I mean, the wheels are coming off. This is, this is the man who we are supposed to believe tomorrow will have a high-stakes, mano-a-mano phone conversation with Vladimir Putin. Don, play cut number two of President Biden and NBC's Lester Holt. There is no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. That's real. We didn't edit that for, you know, fun and games. He um, is asked by Holt about inflation. It's a good question. We were told by your administration inflation was transitory. That was last year. Uh, Here's how the question and the answer goes with the president in the NBC interview. Cut number four. I think it was back in July you said inflation was going to be temporary. I think a lot of Americans are wondering what your definition of temporary is. Well, you're being a wise guy with me a little bit. Uh, and I understand that's your job. But look, uh, at the time, what happened was the... Uh, let's look at the reasons for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is the supply chains were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles so they could function, they need those computer chips. They were not available. So what happens? With the number of cars that were reduced, the new cars reduced, it made up at one point one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. Mm-mm. None of that is correct. You'd get an F in economics. Inflation is about inflating the money supply. It has <clears throat> Inflation has nothing to do with whether you can have enough of things or too many of things. There, there's too much money. When you print more money, it's worth less. That's inflation. And so inflation is always a function of monetary policy, and monetary policy is always a function of government, not the computer chips or people buying too much too many Pelotons or whatever it is that Saki said. This is what the president actually said. What, what Lester Holt is referencing is what President Biden said in July of 2021. Cut number five. As our economy has come roaring back, we've seen some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Our experts believe, and the data shows, that most of the price increases we've seen are, were expected and expected to be temporary. Mm. At least he didn't call Esther Holt a junkie. Remember during the campaign, he got a difficult question from a black interviewer, and candidate Biden came unhinged. Cut number six. Please clarify specifically, have you taken a cognitive no, test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not. What do you think, huh? Are are you a junkie? (laughs) So Lester Holt got off easy, I think. Um, 210-599-5555. Have you ever dedicated a love song on the radio? Mike says he has on KTSA. Mike, good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me on your show. 
Well, thank you for calling. Uh, so when was this, hey, and uh, what did you what did you dedicate? This was way this shows my age here. This was way back in in 1987. At, okay. uh, dating the lady who eventually became my wife at the mm-hmm. local radio station in the evening would play, you know, dedications if you could get them in, which I had right. to call early and I did. She heard that and uh, about two weeks later we were engaged. Wow. So that, that like totally worked for you. It sure did. Yeah. Do you remember it the song? Sure did. Oh, wow. Now that was so long ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was by Mike. This is the man. You, this is the woman you married. You should remember the song. I'm divorced now. So, uh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Oh man, I walked <laughs> right into a door on that one. I'm yeah, so sorry. Door, I slammed it. Yeah, that's okay. Oh. That's all right. Uh, by Holland Oates. I can't quite remember the name of the song, but I, I do know it was by Holland Oates. And uh, at that time, oh. everything went well. So, but yeah. back then, like you said, no, radio stations would do that. Now, yeah. I haven't heard any stations doing it. Well, I'll tell you, there's two reasons why they don't do it. And first of all, I apologize again. That was awful of me. But um, one is that a lot of radio stations don't have a real person there to, to play the dedication. You know, they're, they're, it's automation. And the other reason yeah. is that, that most of the time now they're not given any freedom to put in a song. The songs are all pre-programmed. So you can't, even if, they, even if there yeah. is somebody there to take the call, he or she can't change what's already been laid out for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. And as uh, far as but, Joe Biden and you, you gave him an F for the econo- economics. I would have thrown him out of the class. You would have thrown him right out of. Well, you're being a wise guy right out of the class and a junkie. All right, Mike. Well, you have a good weekend, and thank you for calling our show. You're a good guy, and you're nice. You're being very nice to me for putting you in a terrible situation there. You think this might have been the one, Don? Yeah. It could be. It could also be she's gone. <laughs> this thing. Um, here's what we would do. I'm going to let you in on a little secret now because we we really weren't supposed to play a song at a certain time that wasn't already scheduled. We were supposed to stick to what was already scheduled. So you'd come in to do your show, and you'd get these. Uh, they called it a music log, and it was a list. I, I, I think I showed it on Facebook a while back. Um, you'd get your music log, and it would be the list of songs you were supposed to play. In the 4 o'clock hour, we play these. In the 5 o'clock hour, we play these. Play them in order. Don't move them. Don't swap them. So what we would do is when you would call in and dedicate a love song, okay, you know, say you wanted to dedicate Brian Adams, or you wanted to dedicate Barry Manilow, or you wanted to dedicate... Lionel Richie or whatever it was, we would tape your your call. Hi, this is you know uh, Bill, and I want to send this out to my girlfriend or my wife. And then we would play it back when that song came up on the log. It was going to come up. I mean, we play the same songs every every day, just in different order. So we would delay Bill's call till when that song was scheduled. That way, we weren't breaking the rule. And the people listening didn't know that Bill had called two hours earlier. They thought he was calling right now. And here's his song. Here it is. Here's your song, Bill. And that was what we were told to do. And I I always felt a little bad about it because it it sounded like we were being really nice and accommodating, and really we we weren't. The only person who knew that was Bill because now he had to wait two hours. Or he thought, those bastards aren't going to play my song. 
and we, we would just get to it when we could get to it. So that's, that was what we would do. And sometimes if we thought the boss was not listening or recording, we would actually just kind of shift the songs around because, you know, what are they going to do, right? Fire all of us? When I was a disc jockey and people would dedicate love songs, and around this time of year, boy, that would be a big, big thing, you know. Um, it was it was always a, like a window on the world. You know, you would get everything. You would get husbands and wives and boyfriends and girlfriends and people that weren't in a relationship where where one of them was trying to get the attention of the other or hint, oh, I've got a coworker and I'm in love with him and I want to, you know, I'm afraid to say anything, but I'm hoping he listens or I know he listens to this station. Could you please uh, tell him that uh, somebody he works with is really, you know, and we so we, a lot of times we felt like we were, not just playing the dedication, but we were like uh, playing Cupid or playing, you know, intermediary. And then people would tell you things that made you a little uncomfortable. You know, like sometimes the guy sounded a little stalkery. And, uh, you know, you had to say to yourself, am I going to do this? Am I going to, you know, this is probably not going to be welcomed by, you know, when Janet hears this, she's probably not going to want to hear that this guy's thinking about her. Um, and then you would get people that would tell you way too much, you know, way too much information, you know, just about what had gone wrong and how things weren't so great in the bedroom. And you'd think to yourself, you know, I don't think a song is probably going to fix that. I mean, there's the power of music and all that, but whew, I don't know. Or people would want, and this always made me uncomfortable too, people would want to dedicate a song sarcastically so you think of a love song dedication you think of a gooey ooey you know romantic ballad you know a song about love but you know sometimes people would want to deliver the kill shot to their relationship or let somebody know hey i'm over you and that you know that doesn't sound good on the air you don't want to do that so you'd have to kind of be i have to kind of learn to be diplomatic with people sometimes you'd have to tell them i'm Probably not going to be able to do that, or I don't think we're going to get to that. Sometimes you just let them believe you were going to, and then you never would. And uh, and then sometimes you played it. And it was always bonus when people would request a song, and you'd look down at the music log, and, oh, I'm playing that in six minutes. You felt like such a hero because it, they, they were sure you played it for them, and you were only playing it because the computer <laughs> had scheduled it for that time. So you'd, sometimes you'd get lucky that way. But, um, yes, they were. I've had a lot of people ask me today. They are almost always recorded when you hear the dedications on the air because music stations don't have a delay system like KTSA does, so they, they couldn't put people live on the air. We very seldom did that. We occasionally did it, but very, very rarely. Um, so we'd tape it and we'd play it back. And then I had a guy call me or rather uh, email me tonight and ask about Delilah. And uh, Delilah is still playing love songs and dedications. And I don't know how the current Delilah show works, but I actually worked with her. We overlapped for a few months at what is now WROR in Boston. And I was on these hours, and she came on after me. She was not syndicated at the time. She was just on that one station. But she was doing the format she does. I'm going to talk to listeners. I'm going to play the calls. I'm going to play the songs. And at that time, at least, and this was 30-something years ago, she was recording them. The calls were recorded. I don't know today if that's how they do it um, on the modern uh, version of her show. But there used to be a lot more of that in radio because there used to be a lot more people 
live and on the air and taking those calls and even before my time in radio it was probably there was probably more freedom to actually play requests like i said we were being cracked down on when i was getting in you could still do it very limited then you couldn't do it now i'm pretty sure most of the time you'd get fired if you ever deviated from what's you know been laid out for you it would be all over so you could play the dedication, but it would be the last thing you ever did. Janet is on the radio on KTSA. Hi, Janet. Hi, how are you, Jack? I'm good. Hey, you know, I you just taught me a lot. I did not know that they that radio stations did that. I probably shouldn't have said it. I'm probably not supposed to give away all you the should, secrets, but you should I think know, people should know. Well, you're right. I mean, I learned something new today. I did not know that. But yeah, I dedicated a song to my brother one time, and I actually captured it on tape. But it was Chevy Van. <laughs> Sammy Johns, I remember that. Yeah. Why did you dedicate that song to your brother? Because he loved that song so much, and I wanted oh, okay. to hear it. Yeah, you just wanted to you just wanted me to hear his favorite song. That's cool. How old were you all when you did that? I was probably I would say probably about eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. So that kind of shows my age. <laughs> That's okay. Listen, I think I, I think we lost something when people were no longer able to do stuff like that. I think people loved that. And like you said, it meant so much to you that you wanted to tape it and keep it. And yep. that's, you know, that, that right there shows me that we should still be doing that. I thought Delilah was still doing it, but evidently not. Well, I know she's still... She's still doing that kind of radio. I just, I'm not sure if they're live or, or taped. I, I wouldn't want to take a guess because I don't know. She's a big operation right. now and she does it from her home studio. When I, this is so long ago, when I worked with her, she only had one child. It was her son. And he was so yeah. young, he would come in at night and sleep on the floor in the studio while she did her show because she, you know, she didn't have a, she didn't have childcare. Um, and wow. she was on from eight to midnight after me, and he was now I think he's like forty or something, but he was just a little boy wow. back then. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yep. I'm thinking, cool I'm memory, thinking Janet. Telling me. <laughs> yeah, well, there you don't don't tell it. You know, don't spread this around, okay? Because I probably wasn't supposed to say it. All right, so you didn't hear it from me. All right, I'm sure there's people going. What is he doing? We can't tell him anything. There it is, Chevy Van. That was a thing, you know. Uh, you probably, you know, there were a lot of songs about cars back then. You probably won't hear. There probably won't be a Prius song, I'm thinking. Just a, just a hunch. We'll probably talk more about this in the days ahead, but I saw there was an announcement this week from uh, the Department of Transportation, which, of course, is not a department that provides transportation. <laughs> it's the department that regulates transportation. But the Transportation Department uh, has this big program that would build more electric vehicle charging stations. The goal is to have one every 50 miles along interstate highways. And, um, you know, this reminds me of somebody who thinks that if you build a sink, people have drinking water. If I put a sink in, I've got drinking water. Is that how it works? 
plumbers out there? Is that how it works? If I put a sink, if I if I hang a sink on the wall, do I have drinking water? Well, no, Jack. You have to you have to plumb it into the wall, and then you have to pick up the main, and you have to have service to the main. And oh, so you mean if I can't just buy a sink at Lowe's or Home Depot, take it home, take it out of the box, and water will come out of it? How is building more charging stations? Getting us ready for the future being all electric cars. Wouldn't you have to build more power generation? Wouldn't you have to figure out how to generate not only enough power for all the things we need now, which we're barely doing, right? But if you're going to add a, a, a whole new component and a major user base or, 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 or subscriber base, or whatever you want to call it, then you don't need more charging stations. First, you need more generation. That's not what they're talking about. And that's my problem with this whole thing. And every time we talk about electric cars, it never fails. I get an email from somebody, why are you against electric cars? I have an electric car. I'm not against electric cars. If that makes you feel better to amuse yourself with that fantasy, go right ahead. Uh, I'm not against electric cars. I'm pro-reality is what I'm pro. Okay, I believe in reality-based transportation. So I believe in cars that you can drive and afford and make and fuel. And uh, you could you could tell me you had invented a car that ran on moonbeams, but my question is, where are you getting them, and how are you getting enough of them? And and so the the idea that you solve this problem, I mean, it's just breathtaking, isn't it? The idea that you solve this problem by building more charging stations. They might as well have announced they're going to put more outlets in the wall <laughs> or mail every American an extension cord. I mean, that's how that's how loopy that is. It really is. And again, we'll see. Um, Pete Buttigieg uh, referenced the fact that America u- ushered in the modern automotive era 100 years ago, and now America must usher in the electric vehicle revolution. But American government didn't do that. American manufacturers, marketers, and consumers drove the original automotive revolution, right? I mean, not right. I I know I'm right. It's it's obvious everybody knows that. There, There was no government decision about how cars would be powered or which form of fuel would be predominant. It took decades to sort it out, and the sorting was done by you and by visionary manufacturers like Henry Ford and many others, less famous than him, but just as important. And the the, the mistake they're making here is thinking that, that a few people in Washington are as smart as millions of consumers making informed choices. Does that sound right to you? <laughs> Has that been right recently in any other area? I don't think so. The war will have to wait because first we, we've got to get something to eat. Who's with me? All right, whatever else is going on in the world, we still have to eat. Super Bowl, Valentine's Day, Jack's last show ever in radio. You know, we, we still have to eat. So here is the hour of the show, last hour of the last week, uh, last uh, hour of the last day of the week. We call it the dish. And we talk about your most recent restaurant experience anywhere in or around San Antonio. So you may have gone out to dinner earlier tonight or or for lunch today or this week or had a special occasion. You may have gone to a, a new restaurant 
and you're letting everybody in on the new place or one that's new to you, or you may want to sing the praises of an old favorite of yours that you've been going to for years. Um, on the dish, you call 210-599-5555, and you can praise or zing. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> There's a memory. Praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience in or around San Antonio. The price, the food, the service. Definitely order this. Definitely don't order that. Your calls right now. We're taking them right now. 210-599-5555. And we'll continue to take your votes in the poll question. And we'll have results on the JR poll powered by Stevens Roofing at the end of this hour. Have you ever called a radio station and dedicated a love song? Lady uh, from Massachusetts named Catherine Graham went on The Price is Right. She got on. She got to play. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I've been in the audience of a game show. She was a contestant on The Price is Right. And she did very well. She won herself a fire pit, and uh, she won some furniture. And then she played another game with Drew Carey, and the grand prize was a trip to New Hampshire. Well, she lives in Massachusetts. In fact, she lives right over the border from New Hampshire in Massachusetts. She confessed that although she was glad to have won the prize, which had a cash value of $7,696, she was hoping to go for someplace a bit more exotic than just over the state line. I wish it was Tahiti or someplace. Or a cruise around the world, maybe, she told WBZ-TV. That would be like you and I winning a trip to Bernie. You know, like, okay, well, I can do that, you know. But I suppose, I've never been on a television game show. I suppose the, the real, I guess the real prize is that you're on and you got the question right and all that stuff. I suppose that's probably what people take away from it. But, yeah, she got a trip all the way to New Hampshire. 210-599-5555, praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. We were talking, um, we have been talking on and off on the show about what we call excuse signs. And not that restaurants are the only businesses that have them, but you go, to, you go up to the front door of a business, the glass door, if you will, and there's a sign in the door. And, uh, you know, during COVID, that sign was usually about whether or not they had a mask rule or not. But now the signs are, we're, we're very sorry, but we are out of the following ingredients, or we may not have what you want to order, or you may have to wait a long time, or we're, we're very shorthanded. Please be patient. And um, these have become a thing. They've sprouted up everywhere. And... Um, so we, we took to dubbing them excuse signs, and you may see them when you go to a restaurant. In fact, I think you probably will. I think there's probably more restaurants that have them than restaurants that don't. Somebody else wrote an article about this, um, and they had a different term for it. They called it, and forgive the word, they called it the crapification of the American economy. And the guy explained it this way. He said, everybody's expectations for service, for products, for inventory, for availability are being lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered 
So we're we're being conditioned, he said, to a new normal for less quality, less availability, less variety. I hope he's wrong. I mean, I, I read it and I thought, I, I see where he's going and I, I this could be true. But boy, I hope he's wrong. I, I, I really, and in the world of restaurants, I keep thinking, are we going to have a lot fewer restaurants? And are we going to have a lot less choice? Because the ones that will be most likely to survive will be chains. And chain restaurants thrive by being reliable and predictable and, you know, kind of homogenous. And does it mean that we'll have fewer and fewer of those really cool local color kind of places? Wow, I've never had this before. I've never seen that on a menu before. Wow. Because it seems like those are the places that are suffering, right? And that's one of the reasons I think it's good that we, we do this segment because we do want to highlight places that are unique and maybe not everybody knows about. 210-599-5555 or jack at ktsa.com as we take your calls to praise or zing on the dish. Let's start with let's start with Debbie on KTSA. Debbie, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Um, I was going to start by telling you that I won a trip to Fredericksburg one time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was pretty, it was actually pretty nice. Um, you, know. you know, it's just an hour away, um, but it, it was kind of a nice weekend vacation type of thing. That's and good. That's a, a good nice way to look place. at it. And yeah. Yeah. It came with a dinner and, and a hotel stay for a couple of nights, and so it, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Very good. Um, it, it wasn't my chosen destination, but it, it was free, so how can I complain? I hear that. I hear that. <laughs> But anyway, um, I called to praise the Anchor Bar. So I go to both locations. There's um, a couple of locations. One is in Shirts on 3009, and the other one is on Loop 1604 West, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've been to the one on the Loop several times. I've been to the one in Shirts once. They're both great. I usually get the nachos. Um, uh, my, my son lives in... Hondo. So if I'm meeting him, I I go to the one on the loop, and if I'm meeting my daughter that lives in shirts, we go to the one on shirts in shirts. But um, yeah, I, I love the. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the place that claims that they originated buffalo wings? That's that's what the signs say. I I kind of doubt that, but anyway. <laughs> that's so what what's they, good they there? That they originated the buffalo wings. Yeah. What do you like to get I've there? I never asked about it. Maybe they did. Maybe so, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, they, what uh, what's what's good at? My son and my daughter, they both get the buffalo wings, and they say that the buffalo wings are great. Okay. I just don't like wings. I understand. I understand. What is your favorite thing to get there, Debbie? I like the nachos, and oh, my okay. my son likes the buffalo wings, and so does his wife. And my daughter also likes the buffalo wings. Okay. Besides wings and nachos, what else do they what else do they have there? Um, I'm trying to think. It's um, I can't remember the menu, but I, I seem to always settle on the nachos. I, it, everything seems to have you know something to do with buffalo wings there. It's like oh, okay. variations of buffalo wings. So that's like kind of the their. Nachos have, <laughs> even the nachos have buffalo wings on them. <laughs> okay. 
Fair enough. Well, I'm looking here at the menu. It looks like they have burgers and sandwiches and uh, other things, oh, too. Good. So. Yeah, Raps. I remember seeing that. Yeah, they do have. Okay. I never tried the burgers, but I'm sure they're good, too. Very good. All right. Anchor Bar, two locations, 4553 Loop 1604 on the north side and 3900-3009 in shirts. Debbie, great call. You have a happy Valentine's Day and a good weekend. Thank you for calling the dish. Praise for Anchor Bar. that one if you're dedicating that one you probably need to have been on a few dates you know what i'm saying you feel me on this like this isn't um hey i want to ask you out this isn't music for the first date this is date three and beyond marvin gay sexual healing all right 210-599-5555 coming up the results on our jr poll and We're talking about uh, restaurants of all kinds on the dish. Even, you know, like donut places. Norma writes into Jack at KTSA.com, says, uh, Praise for Snowflake Donuts, 5802 Babcock. Uh, Great donut selection, great coffee, great service, says Norma. And I I like Snowflake Donuts, too. I've been to the the Fair Oaks Ranch location, which is off one of the exits on I-10. I found it by accident one day. I was driving up I-10, you know, going... uh, out toward burning in the hill country and i pulled off to get gas and whatever i don't remember the exit but the whatever this place was it included a snowflakes donut like on the end of the little gas station building and man it was they were good so absolutely second that one we had a call back in june of last year about snowflake donuts too uh 210-599-5555 debbie was just talking about anchor bar and Catherine is calling in about that, too, on KTSA. Hi, Catherine. Hello. You know, I was just calling. You were questioning whether it was the original Anchor Bar. It actually is the original Anchor Bar from Buffalo, New York area that came down. I think a nephew is the one that started the... Yeah, no, I know it's not the original. I know these are not the original locations. The The claim yeah. of the Buffalo restaurant is that it is where the, uh, you know, Buffalo wing originated. Yeah, and I'm not sure that's true. Is that true? Well, I've been going there in Buffalo probably since the early 60s, mid-60s mm-hmm. when they opened up. Um, it, mm-hmm. it is a big popular place up there, and it's mm-hmm. been around for a long time. And I know they've branched out with a family now, and they've got right. several in western New York and central New York. Right. But, yeah, it's it's a big deal up there. I mean, it's been, as far as I know, you never could get anything. I went up and down the East Coast in college in the 60s and 70s, and there was no chicken wings anywhere but western new york hmm interesting but um, maybe they did maybe they did invent it but what they do have um is a beef on wick sandwich which is very much western new york um the thing that's different about it here is it's usually served on a kaiser roll with a rock salt on it and then baked in the oven and then there's slices of roast beef with au jus and um horseradish served um down here they tend to put a spicy salt on top of the Kaiser rolls, which is not my preference, but a lot of people like it. 
just can't have high blood pressure with it. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's uh, that's that's a great set of memories. I wonder, I wonder um, if if you could compare uh, that to maybe like when Tex-Mex food branches out into other parts of the country. It kind of gets watered down, right? It's not by the time it reaches yeah, the East Coast or the North, it's not the same, right? Yeah, it is. It's a little bit different than what it is up there. Um, I I personally like the ones up in Western New York better. Um, yeah. I think the one in Shirts, I've been to both of them because I live down mm-hmm. the street from the one in Shirts. Um, I like the Shirts one better. I just like the way the food is presented and done better. We weren't too impressed when we went over to the other side of town the first time when they got down here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But, you know, it's it's not bad. I'm impressed. They managed to stay open during COVID when everybody else was closing. They did take out. They did everything they could. They kept the business right. going. So I give right. them kudos for that. Absolutely. Oh, great information, Catherine. Thank you for sharing that with us. And welcome to Texas from upstate New York. I did a little stint there myself. So I remember that lake effect snow, and I don't miss it. I I'll never forget it. I've been here for 20-plus years, so I'm, I'm a, pl- a transplant now. I'm with you on that. Thank you, Catherine. Good call tonight. Thank you. Um, 210-599-5555. Yeah, I mean, I think you, whether it's like Texas barbecue or Tex-Mex going to other parts of the country or something like Anchor Bar coming down here from Buffalo, it, what, what is the mission? Is the mission to import exactly what you were doing up there, down here, or is the mission to make things the way people down here like them? You know, I mean, I would think you have to do the latter. You mo- you modify and you alter to please the local tastes of people or what people will respond to. I think that's okay. I, I don't I don't think you can be too much of a stickler about. Well, we're gonna. This is how we do it in Buffalo, and we're gonna do it the same way everywhere we go. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. David is on the dish on KTSA. Hi, David. Hello, Jack. Good afternoon or good evening. Uh, we just. Uh left having dinner at Perry's Steakhouse over at La Cantera. And I'm going to tell you that the special they have on Fridays from noon to 5 is unbelievable. It's a pork chop that's got to be three inches high, uh, probably two pounds of meat or more. I mean, it's unbelievable for $17.95. It normally is... If you order it in the evening, after uh, under the lunch lunch special on Friday, it's thirty nine ninety five or forty nine ninety five. My wife's poking me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I guess that's all right if she pokes me. But anyway, it is yes. It comes with mashed potatoes. It's got this pork chop which has a glaze on it, Jack. It's unbelievable. And because mashed potatoes and and the pork chop for seventeen ninety five. Wow! And it's got that's a steal. Sauce in <laughs> yeah, it's on Friday night, Friday lunch from noon to five. You got to make reservations. Okay, Perry's Steakhouse. Try the three inch pork chop and go Fridays between noon and five and make reservations, and you'll be very very happy. Very good. We'll have a good uh, Valentine's absolutely. Day and a good. Who are you pulling for in the Super Bowl? Uh, the winner. Okay. Very, very good answer. Did your wife poke you, or did you say that on your own? I said that on my own. Jeff. All right. Good man. All right, David. Thank, thank you. you. Praise for Perry Steakhouse. 15900 La Cantera. 
you know, we've had calls about that pork chop before. That is the thing people mention the most about Perry's. I believe enough. we should move beyond all meat. Mm. Yeah, well, go right, go right ahead. We're not, we will not be behind you when you do that. We're going to stay here and have our three-inch pork chop. Hamburger comes with a dose of misogyny. Meat eating is also one of the ways gender-based structures of oppression are perpetuated. White supremacists weapon, weaponized it, eating meat, eggs, and dairy, and the baiting of liberal men as so-called soy boys are all part of the neo-Nazi messaging. Mm. There's a lot to unpack there. How'd you like to dedicate a love song to her? Um, this half hour, the results on the JR poll. We'll see how you voted. Have you ever called a radio station dedicated a love song? Uh, 210-599-5555. I'm thinking most people probably have never actually done that, and probably fewer and fewer nowadays. But anyway, uh, that's coming up, and we're talking restaurants here. We're taking your calls to praise or zing, and Gloria is on the radio. Hi, Gloria. Hey, hi. I'm going to be zinging Blacks and New Braunfels, the barbecue place. Hubby and oh, yeah. I went west or ribs. Oh, I think we lost Gloria. Uh, oh, Gloria, you're dropping in and out of us. Try us back, okay? Call me back, and maybe we'll have a better connection, because I lost you after you you started to say Hubby and I tried ribs, and then we lost everything else. Uh, so we'll get back to uh, Gloria. Don, put her at the top when she calls back. 210-599-5555. In the meantime, let me get to uh, Larry over here on KTSA. Hi, Larry. Hey, Jack. Hey, thanks for coming to work today and standing in for Sean and hosting all of it. Uh, well, actually, I didn't host for Sean, but but th- I'm, I appreciate you saying that anyway. Oh, Okay. Um, I wanted to put a praise, high praise for the Burnt Bean Company in Seguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernesto Cervantes is the owner and the chef there uh, is the Texas Barbecue. He has been uh, rated in the top 50 barbecue uh, places in Texas, and all of his food is excellent. Sells out every day. That's cool. This place has really become popular and gets a lot. We get, we get a lot of calls about it. I've read about it in all these different, you know, places like Texas Monthly and everything. What would you say? How would you say it is different enough for somebody to drive from San Antonio to Seguin? Well, it just seems like the flavors that he uses, uh, he's won competitions all over the state. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the care that he puts into everything. Um, and and his uh, his achievements as a chef uh, have been pretty pronounced too. He was the uh, lead uh, head uh, chef at the Lutheran College there in Seguin for a number of years, the executive chef. So cool. he's he's pretty accomplished, and all like I say, all of his meats are are just outstanding. What is your absolute favorite thing to get at Burnt Bean Barbecue? 
Oh, I, I got to go with the brisket. <laughs> go. Oh, man, you're a man after my own heart. Uh, let's, if I'm going to try a barbecue place, that's the first thing I'm going to try. And follow it up with a, with a couple of chunks of the, uh, pork ribs. Nice. Good job. Larry, thank you so much for the kind words and for the call. Another praise for Burnt Bean Barbecue, 108 South Austin Street in Seguin, 108 South Austin Street in Seguin. Our last call was in July, and we've had a few of them. And, again, it, it, it's kind of got, like, word of mouth right now uh, for Burnt Bean Barbecue. 210-599-5555. I was hoping Gloria would call back. We can finish that uh, zing. Uh, or maybe we don't want to know. I don't know. One or the other. Uh, 210-599-5555 on KTSA. I was just reading tonight, if you keep up with these things, um, there's a new fashion statement in the in the blue jeans world or the jeans world. A uh, company has teamed up with Levi's to make a uh, pair of jeans where the zipper, I don't know if you can imagine this, doesn't stop where most zippers stop. It goes all the way down and up the back. So you can zip up or down these jeans. And I guess the purpose of that is lost on me. I don't, I'm not really too sure why you would want that. It's hard enough remembering to zip up in the front without having to worry that you forgot to zip up in the back. So, uh, if if that's something you've always been waiting for your whole life, it's it's finally happened. Um, oh, it looks like we have Gloria back. So that's good. Um, let's see if this connection is better. Hi, Gloria. Hi. Thanks. Okay, here I am. It's a Dean okay. Zing for Black yeah. Barbecue and your Bromfels. Okay. Hubby and I ordered ribs, mm-hmm. barbecue, potato salad, the whole thing. When he was mm-hmm. plating the ribs, I told the server hey, that seems to have a whole bunch of fat on there. Can you trade that out with something else that's got less fat? He says, no, that's all we've got. I said, okay. We get to the table, turn that piece of bone around. There was not one piece of meat on there at all. It was 100% pure fat. Hmm. And then I looked at my bill. I paid $21 and some odd cents for that piece of bone with pure fat. Hmm. Total gross factor. And for Hmm. the rest of the meal... I could have just gone to Bill Miller and had the same quality. So the rib was all fat, and uh, the price was a little fat, too. Oh, yeah, pretty bad. And the server knew it. And the answer was, no, that's all we've got. Like, okay, so they don't serve ribs. They serve fat. We'd never go back again. All right, there's a zing for Black's Barbecue. This was the new new Braunfels location, right? Correct. Okay, so the Black's uh, Barbecue, 936. Loop 337 in New Braunfels, this pew, time pew, a zing. Pew. Oh, go ahead, Don. Do it again. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Should we even explain? No, let's not even explain. Thank God it's... Some people want to call me vegan. Vegans eat Oreos, and they drink Coca-Cola. I don't. I eat a plant-based centered life. I eat a plant-based centered life. I got to get New Yorkers to eat a plant-based centered life. Oh, that's what we're waiting for. That's what New Yorkers want. 
All right. <laughs> what a week. Has this all happened in one week? I find myself saying that every Friday. We look back on all the craziness, and I go, that was all in one week? Do you feel that way sometimes? Every week, yeah. All right, on the uh, JR poll, powered by Stevens Roofing tonight, the question, have you ever called a radio station and dedicated a love song because it's Valentine's weekend and Monday is Valentine's Day? And um, Just kind of curious to know if you'd ever done that. Uh, 81% said no. 19% said yes. That's higher than I thought it would be, quite a bit higher. Um, but uh, 19% said yes, and people told some stories on Facebook and called in with some stories on the show today. It was kind of cute. Um, I, I'm in the no category. I've never called a radio station to request a song. I've never, I guess I've never called a radio station, really. I mean, I've been in radio since I was 17. And when you're on the radio, you don't usually have to call in. So I've never, I've never been a caller on a talk show. I've never called a request line or dedicated a love song. But don't worry, they're going to fire me soon, and then I'll be able to do that like everybody else. Um, all right, let's get to one more here on The Dish, and Debbie is on The Dish on KTSA. Hi, Debbie. Hey, hi. Thank you. I enjoy you in the mornings on Mondays and Tuesdays, covering for Sean. Oh, thank you. What's, what is on The Dish for us tonight, Debbie? Did we lose her already? going... Make sure they look that up. And for the lady who zinged black barbecue in New Braunfels, I will agree with her. And not all barbecue is created equal. Smoky Moe's barbecue in New Braunfels is the best of all the locations. And we drive from San Antonio to Smoky Moe's, and it's at 1862 Texas 46. And it's right by the CVS in New Braunfels. The, Nate, the owner is Nathan, and he walks around to the tables. Everybody in there is always very nice. The food is very good. The ribs are good. All the sides are good, and it's always clean inside. And I would recommend that lady who didn't like blacks to try Smoky Moe's. Okay. It's so much better. You know, it's interesting you say that because um, I've been to another Smoky Moe's location that didn't do anything for me at all. So maybe exactly. their locations That's differ from one to another. They do. I live closer to one on Boulevardy Road, but I don't go mm. to that one. I will drive to New Braunfels to eat at Smoky Moe's. And to me, it's the best barbecue in New Braunfels. Okay. That's, and that is really saying something. 1862 Highway 46 in New Braunfels for that Smoky Moe's. Debbie says that's the one to go to. Thank you, Debbie. Happy Valentine's Day to you. And thanks to everybody who called in on the dish tonight on KTSA. And we'll be back live, uh, Monday at four. New JR poll or find it anytime at KTSA.com. I, um, I covered this on my Jack Riccardi just a minute video today, but today is a little known day called National White Shirt Day. And I wouldn't even have brought it up, except it has such relevance for what's going on right now. So back in the 1930s, there was a uh, strike at a General Motors plant in Flint, Michigan. And this was before the United Auto Workers became the power that it was to become. So the workers were uh, striking for better uh, pay, and I think maybe some other things, but, you know, the usual stuff that you would go on strike for. Anyway, the, the workers were threatened with being fired. And they had a rule back in the, in the day at this factory and maybe at other factories where the only people that were allowed to wear white shirts were management. 
So if you saw somebody on the plant floor with a white shirt, that was a manager. Everybody else, the line workers, had blue shirts. So they decided to all come to work wearing white shirts. Because that way the strike breakers could not figure out who was who. And the philosophy of the workers was they can't fire all of us. And I, I think about that kind of thinking, not that you and I are on strike, but, you know, that's kind of the thinking of the trucker convoy in Canada. That's kind of the thinking of parents starting to speak up and speak out and, and unite across party lines on things like critical race theory and mask mandates. The idea is they can't fire us all. They can't silence us all. So I wore my white shirt today in honor of those auto workers who, you know, 80 years ago had this idea. And by the way, it was successful. And later on, United Auto Workers, this was many, many years later, and now UAW was powerful. Uh, They uh, actually made this an annual observance at all their uh, member unionized plants, National White Shirt Day, February 12th. On that note... I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I hope you celebrate uh, with the Super Bowl, and I'm pulling for the Bengals, and I'll see you back here Monday.